tonight's Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written... He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Hello everybody, my name's Jai, if I haven't met you before, hello, 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 I feel like I've got to say hello to every part of the, the room as we go around. It's, uh, it's good to be with you here tonight uh, as we jump into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you close your Bible, I encourage you to open them up. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been getting into going old school, or what they call analogue, I guess. Uh, I encourage you, give it a try. If you've been on your phone for a while, it's just a nice change-up. 
Um, anyway, if you've got your phone, open up, not on Facebook, the Bible will be helpful. But I want to ask you a question as we kick off tonight. Uh, do you know what is one of the most damaging things to homes in Australia? Shout it out if you know what... Termites. This little fella, who I call, because I like Ant-Man, Anthony. Now, this little guy, he's kind of cute, in a way. On a screen he is. In your house, not so. But Anthony here, he's not that big a deal. It's when there's lots of Antonys that, um, like this one, that's, that's a problem. There's <laughs> a few people just threw up in their mouths down the front here. Um, that's when it becomes a big problem. When you've got lots of little problems all together, it becomes a big problem. Well, 1 Corinthians is Paul addressing lots of little things that have become one big problem. A problem that's actually divided the church into many different ways. And he's going to tackle a bit more of that uh, tonight. So we're going to, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to have a look at some of these things. Let's do that. Dear gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to pause, to reflect on your word. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word and to your truth. Father, we pray that, uh, that you would not only teach us, but if needed, correct us and rebuke us. But most importantly, Father, we pray that you would continue to grow us and shape us to be like our Lord and Saviour Jesus, that we may mature in our faith. And Father, pray too that where uh, my words fail, Father, may you speak even louder through your spirit and through your truth tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you haven't got the picture yet, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and what we find at the church of Corinth is that there are spiritual people who are struggling with a bit of a behavioural problem. In fact, they're not acting like the church. They're actually not acting like people who are spiritually mature. In fact, they look more like those outside the church than inside the church. They're arguing and squabbling and bickering and complaining and it doesn't look any different to going to a football match on the weekend where everyone's getting a bit of white line fever and going a bit mental. It looks the same. In fact, what Paul says here, he says that uh, in verse, uh, verse 1, he says that they are mere infants in Christ. Now, Paul is not giving us sort of a grading system on Christianity or a grading system for Christians. He's not saying, okay, well, you all start off as newborns and then you move on to a toddler and I guess what's next, a kid, then a tween and then a teen and then a young adult and then you graduate to, a young, to an adult and congratulations. And then you realise, hang on a second, then there's midlife, retirement and seniors. Now, Paul's not giving us a whole kind of category and, and sort of grading system for Christianity. What he's actually doing, he's actually turning the tables of the grading system that the Corinthians had for where they thought they should be. This system of mature and infancy, or mature and immature. They, they were saying, we're mature, and Paul, you've got to give us the good stuff. You're going to give us top shelf stuff. You've got to give us the stuff that mature people have, the solid food. Give me that big 300 gram rump T-bone steak medium Thank you. 
That's what they're after. Then Paul says, no, you're not there yet. He flips it and says, you guys are only ready for milk. Forget about the steak. You're only at milk level. And the reason why he says that they're not at the top of their, their ladder, of their grading system, why they're not ready for the meat, they're only ready for the milk, he says in verse 3, have a look there, verse 3, where he says, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? See, there's, the reason why Paul says that they're not ready for me, while they're still infants, is because there is jealousy and quarrelling still amongst them. They look no different to anybody else outside of their building. They're fighting and complaining. They're bickering and squabbling. Not as mature Christians, but as babies. Have you ever seen a baby fight over a toy? Occasionally on my, uh, my reels pops up little, two little toddlers kind of fighting over a toy. My favourite one is, um, is when they fight over a dummy. You ever seen two kids fight over a dummy? One puts it in their mouth and they're all happy and the other one pulls it out, sticks it in their mouth, the other one starts crying and then they're happy. That is pretty much what's going on in the church of Corinth. They are so caught up in their arguing that they're not seeing how ridiculous they look and how immature they are being. Now, I should just point out at this point that um, they're not, it's not like they're squabbling and having fights over the colour of the carpet in the church, okay? Or whether they should get carpet in the church. I'm so thankful our church does not have carpet, so we don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about... I was in a church that had flags up, like all different sort of country flags, and there was a fight in the church. It was called Flaggate. I kid you not... It divided the church. Right? They're not having squabbles over They're not having squabbles over, oh man, the youth group just keep leaving this place with a mess. They're not fighting over those things. To some extent, they're probably actually fighting over some very serious uh, questions about theology and religious practice. But they all are also getting caught up in a bit of this, one's, this preacher or this pastor is better than the other. And we looked at that the very first week. When some say, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. There's this one-upmanship that's going on. The issue is that whatever their problem is, that they are not discussing it in mature ways. They are not discussing it in spiritually mature ways. Rather, they are quarrelling over who's right and who's wrong, who's the best, who's the least, who's the best to follow and who shouldn't be followed. And Paul says, this is not how God's people are to be. It's not how we are to be. If you call yourself a Christian, this is not how we are to be. We are to grow in our maturity. We are to grow in our faith. Not to stay on milk, but to, to grow and to progress to more meatier things. To not be held back by jealousy and quarrels. Fighting, fighting and bickering with one another over silly things that are not eternal. And so what Paul does in the chapter that, uh, that Nikki wonderfully read for us is that he tackles this head-on by reminding the, the church of Corinth that both Paul and Apollos are just mere human beings. They are just mere servants in verse 5. In verse 5, we see Paul say, 
What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. So let's not get caught up in saying who's better between Paul and Apollos. Because you're actually elevating them to, to places where they don't want to go and that they shouldn't go. They are just mere servants. They are mere human beings doing what God has called them to do, doing what they have been instructed to do. And Paul actually goes on and, and says this by using this illustration, this image of the field. And by doing so, he talks about... Now, I'm going I'm to use shorthand and talk about church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about building. Okay, I know we all probably have got that, but I just want to be very, very clear. I'm talking about God's people, God's community. Each one of you here... Each one of us, all of us here, are the church. If we were outside, we would still be the church. Okay, so I'm going to talk about that concept just as church. Otherwise, it's going to be a very long sermon if I have to explain what I mean every time. So I'm just laying that out now. And so what Paul does, he says, here's the thing. The church is like God's field, or it is God's field. And he says it like this, he says... Paul and Apollos, one planted and the other watered. And in verse 6, it says that it is God who does the growing. God's the one who does the growth. Paul didn't plant the seed in the lives of the people at Corinth. And Apollos come along and water it and go, grow. And all of a sudden, this thing just sprouted up. Or they all of a sudden became mature Christians. That's not how it works. If you've done any gardening, I'm not a huge fan of gardening. I'll just put it out there. My, my uh, way of doing gardening is with a whippersnipper and a chainsaw. If you can't do it with those two things, I'm not in for it. All right? But I do know that if you plant a seed, like a tomato seed, because they grow anywhere, you plant it and you water it, you don't stand there and wave some magic hands over it and all of a sudden there's a tomato plant there. It's got to be continually watered and it will grow in its time. Here, Paul is saying, as he planted and Apollos watered, it is God who is at work in that seed to grow it. It is God at work in the church to grow it. It is God growing each and every one of us as his church, in his field. It is not me standing here before you tonight preaching on the word of God that is going to grow you. It is God through his word and through his spirit. It is him in that way that will grow you. No matter what I say, how well or how bad, it is God who grows. In fact, uh, in um, Psalm 127, verse 1, the same concept comes up in the idea of a house where David say, uh, Solomon says these words. He says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labours in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guard stands watch in vain. See, if it's not God doing the building, then it's all in vain. If we try to do the building, we try to do the growing, it's in vain. And why does Paul talk like this? Well, he's saying that both Paul and Apollos and Cephas, who is Peter, 
They are not the ones who were crucified on the cross for them. They are not the ones who died for their salvation. They are mere co-workers in the field of God. They are mere co-workers, they are mere field workers under God. They belong to God and they are doing what he's instructed them to do. Yes, they have different roles. One plants, one waters, but they are, in, they are one in purpose. And that is to do the very will of God. To do what God has instructed them to do. Under God, belonging to God. Now, this idea of God's people and church being uh, a field is not something new. God actually talks about this idea in a slightly, slightly similar, slightly different way. We'll go same, same, but different. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 1, uh, sorry, verse 7, where it says, uh, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. This is the idea that God uses this sort of field language to describe his people, his community, those who follow him. This idea of growing and nurturing, but also being at work in the field or in the vineyard. And so Paul appeals to the church at Corinth that they are the church, they are God's field. And the leaders of church, of the field, the likes of Paul and Apollos, the likes of our leaders here at our church, I say in all honesty, as one of, those, as one of the pastors here at our church, that we are not significant enough to be the ones that you come to church for. If you come to church, if you came to church tonight and you saw that Jai was getting up to preach tonight, you went, oh man, I was really banging on for Stu, that would have been awesome. He's been on fire recently, I'd be up for that. You came to church for the wrong reason. None of us are worthy of you coming to church purely for. None of us are worth you belonging to this church for. We are not significant enough. We are mere field workers in the field of God, doing what God has called us to do. We are co-workers in this field. It is not about us. It is all about the one who owns the field. It is all about the one whom we belong to, which is the Lord God Almighty. And any leader, paid or unpaid, or any who, expi- who aspire to be a leader in any church, who aspires to be more than a field worker in the field of God, well, they're in great danger of not hearing what Paul is saying. And you're in great danger of causing great division and rivalries within church. Because what happens in that instance is that rivalries start to break out. Rivalries within churches, rivalry against other churches. And unfortunately, there are many rivalries amongst churches around the world, even in the Shire. Friends, it shouldn't be this way. It's also another thing that's helpful for us to think about here at Sorrow Bible Church in particular. Here at Sorrow Bible Church, we've planted some churches. 
We have six different gatherings, four different locations. Sorry, I just had to quickly remember what they all were in my head. And it'd be easy for us to look at all of our church plants, even all of our gatherings, and see it as a competition to see who can get bigger, who can do the best, who can do all this, that and the other. We can look at our other gatherings and go, well, I knew that wasn't going to work. I said at the beginning, I'll say it again, I knew it wasn't going to work. Well, we've done too many. Spread ourselves too thin. Or we should just do one big church. I want to encourage you tonight, if you ever thought that, to maybe look at the situation a little differently. Instead of thinking about a competition, maybe think about how can we work on these plants and our churches together? How can we work on them together? How can we be co-workers in the field of God together? How can we support and encourage and pray for one another? How can we spur on one another? Maybe how can I look at our fields that we have planted around the Sorrow Church and look at them and say, look at that field over there. I wonder if I could do something to help out. I wonder if I could go over there and come alongside them and just be a co-worker alongside them to encourage them and support them. Maybe I can help spur them on. Maybe I can just help them with a bit of a burden, even if it was just for a few weeks. Maybe there's something I could do. See, that's the difference between being an infant in Christ and being mature in Christ. Instead of constantly pointing the flaws out, actually ask the question, what can I do? How can I help? We heard tonight that there is help needed next week. Real easy way. There's the application at this point done. Go see Bev. But there are many other ways that we can get along and we can help one another to support our church, to, to be co-workers in the field together. This is also important for many reasons. And Paul wants to highlight that as he changes gears and changes the illustration. He kind of does this little nice little, I love a good segue. And Paul's pretty good at them, isn't he? Because he talks about, in verse 9, he says... For we are co-workers in God's service, for we are God's field, God's building. And then talks about buildings. Done. Segway complete. That's what he does, right? He goes talking about fields and then he talks about buildings. And he talks about how the church is God's building. So he talks about God's, God's church being God's field. Now the church is God's building. And what does he say? Verse 11. He says that the church must be built on the foundation that is Christ. For Let me read verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul has been banging on about this for the last two chapters. If you want to know what wisdom is, you want to know what to put your life on, it is Christ crucified. 
That is the wisdom for life. That is the foundation. That is what he's talking about. If you're going to build a building, which he's talking about, if you're going to build a church, and again, it's not the four walls, it's the community. If you're going to build a community of God's people, it is on the foundation of Christ crucified. It is on the fact that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for you, for me, for our sin, because we could never pay that back. We could never pay what was owed. We could not pay the ransom. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die to take that for you and for me. So when we trust and believe in him, our sins are forgiven and we're given new life, not just here on earth, but a life for all eternity. When we build our community of God on that foundation of Christ, then we have a building worth growing. We have a building worth constructing. But Paul also says that, that this foundation is, is what kind of conforms everything we do. We don't, we don't kind of get the building and we don't kind of like do this, right? Now, if you can't see, I'm putting this lectern on the edge of the stage. Half of it's on the foundation of the stage, the other half's off. What do you reckon is going to happen? Ready, Vinny? I wasn't going to do that. It's going to topple and fall, isn't it? If we don't build on the foundation that is there and we go, well, how about we just put a little bit of a, you know, a, um, a balcony on the, that just kind of overhangs the, the foundation a little bit and uh, it'll just be like, you know, we're going to turn the lights out when we do church together because it's just going to be nice and kind of funky. It's not really that bad, but it's not really what we're on about here, is it? We're here to celebrate and rejoice in God together, to see each other, to rejoice together, to praise God together. That's a real trivial thing. You could think of some other things. But if it's not on the foundation, it is not being conformed by the foundation that has been laid and we have bits and pieces here, there and everywhere, we end up with problems and we end up with a building that's going to fall over and collapse and probably fall and hurt someone. Paul says that this building, as we build on the foundation, well, we also have to think about the materials that we use. That's always an important thing, isn't it? I always think of the, the, the three little pigs when I think about building houses and whatnot with different materials. But Paul says here there are a few different types in verse 12, where it says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, now, just to split them into two categories, you kind of, and this is just me making these categories up, you've got the quality ones and you've got the dodgy ones. Right? You've, got the, you've got the ones that will take time to kind of fashion and pull together and then you've got the quick and easy ones. You've got ones that, caref- that need to be carefully constructed onto the foundation and the other one we just go, well, I've seen these used and I know they're quick and easy, so let's just use those. Let's get this done. Now, the problem is that only one of those groups of materials is going to last on the day when the inspection comes. You know, it's one of the things I like um, about... uh, I don't watch the block, 
but the few times I've caught episodes is when the inspectors come in to say something about the waterproofing in the bathroom and the people that are so confident they've got it right and they've gone, no, nah, you've got to rip it up and start again because there's one little pinprick or something in there. Paul says that there'll be a day where inspection will come, but that inspection will be an inspection of fire that will show the building to be what it truly is. That day, verse 13, is a day where workmanship will come to light. Now, what does all this mean? Well, it's a couple of things. First is this. Our church has paid and unpaid leaders. In fact, it's amazing. We have over 70 leaders in our church that gather once a term to talk about how we are going on building on the foundation of Christ. Those leaders and anyone who wants to be a leader, we need to be careful and we need to hear this warning that Paul has. That warning is build on the foundation. Don't go beyond the foundation. Don't rip up the foundation and lay a new one. Use the right materials to build. Don't you look for the quick and easy things that will grow things quickly because it will grow so quickly that it will have no substance and structure to hold it up. And it will be burnt on that day of inspection. But to take time to be wise, to be prayerful, to consider these things under God on what is most beneficial and true and worthy and holy and right. To seek the building of the church, to be not conformed by our own wants and desires, but by the very foundation that we are building on. The second thing is this. If you're sitting here going, well, I'm not a leader, I'm off the hook. Bumble. Sorry. If you're not a leader here, I want you to hear this. We are all involved in the building of the church. We are all involved in growing the community of God's people. You might not realise it, but you do it when you sit next to someone who's new and just makes them feel welcome. You do it when you encourage someone who's having a hard time. You do it when you put your hand up to help out people. You do it when you say, I have capacity to go to two gatherings. You do it when you sit and you pray with someone. You do it when you sit and have a meal with someone over dinner. In fact, you do it by just being here right now. You are involved in growing the community of God's people. You probably didn't even know. And I know that sometimes we have people from other churches that join us. So if you are just joining us tonight from another church, when you go back to your church and you do this in your church, you are growing God's community. It is not limited to just here. God's community is global. And it transcends time. God's community is past, it is present, and it's future. You ever think about that? 
that when we gather as God's community, we are gathering with all the saints that have gone before us, all the saints that are here now, and all the saints that will come long after we've gone. Anyone who says church is boring hasn't got a concept of that. Because that is phenomenal. None of us get to sit back. None of us get to sit back, uh, sit back and watch and think, well, I'll just sit here and let everybody else do the building. I'll just sit here and, and just kind of uh, heckle from the sidelines. We are all involved in building God's church, God's community together. Because if we sit by on the sideline and critique and niggle, they might seem just little small things, a little bit like Anthony, all by himself. But you know what happens when you get a whole bunch of those little niggles? Oh, it's like a whole bunch of Anthony's. It becomes one big problem. And then you get a letter from Paul. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Friends, I'm not saying that we are to just cover our eyes and pretend that bad things don't happen. We're also saying, though, that we can look a little more positive and think about what is it that I can do to help? What is it that I can do to be a co-worker in the field? What is it that I can do to help grow and build the church of God? What is it that I can do to help? And maybe it is quite, it's quite simply just asking ourselves this question. Is there a field over there that could do with another co-worker? I wonder if I can go over and I can help. I wonder if I can go over there as a friend in the field of God's church and help God's church be built up, to be encouraged, to be loved. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian and this is all just sounding really bizarre, I'm stoked you're here. And I hope and I pray that you see tonight what Paul is talking about and what I'm talking about here in action. That you see people as co-workers working together, seeking to love each other, to encourage each other, not to be jealous of one another and to squabble, but to be of one mind, of one purpose, even though we're running around doing different things. But we're all here to work in God's field and to grow God's church together. And I hope that you see that it's different. Different from soccer, different from school, different from work or uni, wherever it might be. And that you might see the change that is made when we start building on Jesus and not on anything else. And for those of us who are Christians, maybe tonight there is something that is stopping you, that is getting in your way of being a co-worker in the field of God. Maybe it is jealousy. Maybe it is some sort of quarrel or argument or fighting that's going on over something that's not eternal.
want to encourage you tonight to either put that aside or deal with it tonight so that you may be ready to put your hand up and say, Lord, wherever you will lead, I will go. Whatever field you want me in, I will go. However you want me to play my part in building your church here, use me. Let me pray. Dear gracious God, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to reflect on what it is to be your church here at Sorrevival and around the world and throughout time. Father, we ask, we ask that you would free us of whatever it is that's blocking us from partnering with one another under you to work in your field and to be used to build up your church. Father, we ask, we ask that we would look to what we can do under you and in your wisdom to grow and to build as you've called us to. Father, help us to grow in maturity of our faith, trusting in you, clinging to you, and not to the things that separate and divide us. And we pray this for your glory, for your honour, and for your praise. Amen.